Welcome to Amen Podcast, where we preach the good news of Jesus Christ and how it applies to everyday life. I'm Lokilani, your host, and today my husband Alex is preaching about being satisfied. We're looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, which reads, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. If you have been following along with us in this series on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most popular sermon, this particular sermon is very interesting. I'm talking about my sermon, not the whole thing is Jesus's sermon, but this sermon called Satisfied is interesting because Matthew 5, 6 is right dead center in the middle of the Beatitudes. Now the Beatitudes is a part of Jesus's famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. Mount is short for mountain because he was literally on a mountain. And this part is called the Beatitudes because it's this part where Jesus says, blessed are those who blank, they shall be blank. And he does that over and over again. And it's beautiful for all kinds of different reasons. As I was looking at this, I was like, this is so poetic of Jesus. This is so genius of Jesus. But uh, I could just you could just nerd out about this whole thing. But basically, the last three sermons, poor in spirit, mourning, and meek, are all things Jesus says, you are a part of the kingdom of heaven. You're a part of my family. You are a child of God. If you do those things, if you are those things, are you poor in spirit? Are you a person that mourns over their sin? Are you a person that is meek? Those three describe what it means to be a person who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Mm -hmm. So if Jesus is saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled, filled or, or also translated satisfied. He's saying, you'll truly be happy if you're a person who hungers and thirsts for what is right and good. Why, Jesus? Because you will be truly satisfied. You'll be filled. The, the actual translation of this Greek word filled is not just satisfied, it's gorged. You know, when, uh, when you're trying to get a pig ready to sell for bacon, you gorge it. You fill it up all the way till it's just jam-packed filled. Gorge it. When something is gorged, there's nothing left for you to feed it. It's full. It doesn't want to eat anymore. So Jesus is saying, are you a person? I put it in three M's for you. Are you a person that always um, needs more in a good way? Are you a person that mourns? Are you a person that's meek? More, mourning, meek. That's the first three Beatitudes. And they all lead to being a person who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Now, what's so cool about this is we're going to talk about the need to be satisfied. We're going to talk about the problem with being satisfied. And then we're going to talk about the solution for being satisfied. And all three, satisfaction, the need, the problem, and the solution, they all are found in John chapter 4. It's a, it's a great way to illustrate so we can really bring this home because if you're like me, I want the satisfaction that Jesus is talking about. John chapter 4, verses 31 through 34, look at what happens when the disciples meet up with Jesus after being separated from him for a while. It says, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? 
My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What's going on here? Jesus was just talking to this lady known as the woman at the well. She wasn't a Jewish lady. She was um, had a reputation of being with a lot of, having a lot of, you know, intimate partners. She was getting water in the middle of the day, which is not the time to get water. It was the hottest part of the day. No one did that unless you were trying to avoid people or if people were trying to avoid you. So she wasn't popular. She, you know, was the worst of the worst, just to put it plainly. She had no friends and she'd made a lot of mistakes, had a lot of shame. And Jesus says, you're my kind of person. And he runs over to her, not runs, you know, physically, but in an emotional, spiritual way, he tracks her down. And they start having a conversation. And in that conversation, she starts to believe that Jesus is the son of God, the savior of the world, and that in him there is forgiveness and eternal life. She goes back home, starts to tell people about Jesus. And after she leaves, the disciples show up. And Jesus is there by the well. They know he hasn't eaten in a while. And so they're like, you got to eat something. And he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. They're like, did someone bring him food? Let's go. Oh, he was here by himself when we showed up. How is he not hungry? What is this food that he's talking about? What food? What do you feed a person who's already filled? That's what Jesus is trying to get us to understand. Jesus is so satisfied, so filled, so gorged with the will of the Father. He, he, he can't even think about food. He's not even concerned about physically feeding himself. He's so purposeful. He's so filled, so satisfied that he says, food, what food? Who cares about food? But I'm doing God's work. Don't you see? This is real satisfaction. Isn't this what you and I would want? If we had a real good heart like Jesus? I mean, even of our evil hearts, we still want to be completely sold out and just passionately and loved. We love stories of people who gave their all to their art, gave their all to their sport, whatever. We love that because it's like, man, this person really lives for something. They get to pour all, they're so satisfied with what they do. But athletes and artists, they turn to drugs, they turn to money, they turn to adultery, they turn to immorality. Why? They're not truly satisfied. They're satisfied to a point, but they're not filled. They're not gorged. How do you get gorged? How do you get full satisfaction? That's what we need. The problem is we long for what is wrong. If you read chapter 4 of this woman at the well, Jesus has a conversation with her and says, go get your husband. And she says, before she can answer, uh, truthfully, she says, I have no husband. And Jesus says, you have answered correctly, for you have more than one. And the one you're with now is not even your husband. She didn't tell him this. She uh, was a Samaritan. And so there's no way, like Samaritans and, and Jewish people, they didn't hang out. So it's not like Jesus had some like, you know, sat at the gossip table of some Samaritans and got this news. How did he figure this out? She was starting to see that this man can read minds because he's not just man, he's God. She was in it. He was in it. He, she was, you know, experiencing this. What would make her turn to the arms of multiple men? She longs for the wrong, like all of us. It may not be uh, immorality that you long for, but it may be something 
like me, it was drugs. It was acceptance from everyone. It was um, all kinds of different things. The point is what Jesus is trying to get us to understand, trying to get her to understand is there's something in us that longs for what is wrong. And Jesus sees right through it. He can call it from a mile away. Mm-hmm. So he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, not blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the wrong. To hunger and thirst means to long for. When you're hungry and you're thirsty, you're longing for sustenance. Jesus says, you'll be truly happy if what you're really, truly longing for and living for is what is right and good and just and perfect. Because I'll be the one to satisfy you. But he's saying at the same time, you'll never be satisfied. You'll never be blessed if you're longing for the wrong things. So the opposite of Matthew 5, 6 is true. Cursed are those who hunger and thirst for wickedness for they shall be emptied. Isn't that true? That when you go through life longing for the wrong, you end up more empty. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It's like drinking salt water on a boat in the middle of the ocean with nothing else to drink. You're so thirsty, you take a sip and you're even more thirsty. That's the cursed life of a person who hungers and thirsts for for wickedness, who longs for the wrong. So what is the solution? Because you might be thinking, I often walk from day to day, not confident, low self-esteem, not happy, not feeling uh, filled, not feeling satisfied. Sometimes I just, I wake up and I'm so sad. I don't even know why. Mm -hmm. Some days you're just walking, you know, through life and you just feel so unsatisfied. I want to propose something before I go into John chapter four, verse 10, which gives us the answer. I, I want to propose that if you look at this verse differently, there's a there's like a inverted side of it that's also true. So Jesus says, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied." But isn't it true as well that blessed are those who are not satisfied, for they shall hunger and thirst for righteousness? Hear me out. When you look at the world, you look at your life and you say, "I'm not satisfied with this life." You know what Jesus promises? A hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Mhm. We hear this all the time with motivational speakers. Where's your hunger? You got to be hungry for it. Hungry for success. Come on. Where's your hunger? Oh, that guy's guy's tough. That guy's sick. He has a real hunger for life. And there's something about that that is appealing to us. We want to have a hunger for living. We want to have a thirst for real life. I want to have that. I want to wake up every day excited hungry for more of what God wants me to do. So the inverted side of this verse is true as well. Blessed are those who are not satisfied, for they shall hunger and thirst. Only if you're not satisfied with this life and with this world and what it has to offer. When you look at it and you're like, I don't want that. I don't Mm -hmm. want what this world has. Mm -hmm. Only when you have that type of mentality, that type of heart, Will you hunger and thirst for the right things? But going back to what Jesus originally said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The solution is in John chapter 4, verse 10. Jesus answered her. Again, he's still talking to the woman at the well. 
because Jesus is about to say something real heavy to her. He, he says to her, uh, you know, give me something to drink. She's like, you know, who are you to ask me for something to drink? You know, you're, you're a Jew. You're not really supposed to be talking to me. On top of that, you're a man. Men and women aren't supposed to be talking like this in this type of situation. And then, and then also, you know, you, you Jewish guys, you say that um, we should get water from here. But the Samaritans, we believe this about this well. This is Jacob's well and all these different things. And Jesus says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So as she's going back and forth on whether or not Jesus should be asking her for a drink or not, because of the cultural stigma at the time, Jesus is trying to explain to her, you don't get it. I'm trying to show you something. I'm trying to explain something to you. Because if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's talking to you, saying, can I have some water, please? You would have asked him for water, and he would have given you living water. So Jesus right here gives us, gives us and the woman at the well the solution on how to be satisfied. Now, just to, so we're on the same page, I want you to understand what I mean by satisfied. I was, there's some, just today I was in the car and I was just really down, depressed, upset, um, just not feeling good, you know, just feeling so empty and I can't really understand why. And so I just prayed. You know, usually when I'm feeling empty, that's when like temptation comes. And just because of my past, just because of my past, the temptations that I will not give into because of, practically speaking, because of the accountability of my life, my wife and my family. But the first temptations that come to mind is alcohol and nicotine. Just to be completely honest with you, that's my past. I'm 30 years old. You know, I've only truly, truly been following Jesus for about like 11 years. Um, And so, and even in the first couple years of those, there was times where I messed up a lot. And so um, that's the temptation that pops up in my head. Now, I turn to the Lord while I'm driving and I say, God, I, there, alcohol and nicotine sound good to me when I'm feeling this way, God. You promise to fill me. You promise to satisfy me. And it doesn't always, doesn't always happen right away. But next thing you know, I find before I'm even home, and it's only a 15-minute drive, before I'm even home, I'm in tears. Asking God to satisfy you after knowing who he is, is the key to being satisfied. Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God, what is he talking about? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. There is no eternal life outside of one person. Who is that person? Jesus. So he's saying that if you knew the gift of God. So notice he doesn't say if you saw the gift of God. When someone gives you a gift at your birthday party, you see the gift, you open it, and you're like, wow, thank you for the gift. I see this gift in front of me. Notice he says if you knew the gift of God. You can only know a person. So he's saying, I am the gift of God. I am eternal life. If you knew this gift. And then he says, he connects it to further, to further prove the point that he is the gift of God. If you knew the gift of God and who 
It's not two different situations here mm-hmm. in happening in John chapter four, verse 10. Not two things. It's not a, a gift and something else. They go together. Mm-hmm. In Jesus, all the promises of God are yes and amen. He says, I am the gift of God of eternal, li- eternal life. And I am the one saying to you, give me a drink Mm -hmm. to get you to understand that you're the actual person that needs to be asking me. Yeah. But she's so looking and longing for the wrong. She can't understand the sermon being played out right in front of her. So he has to break it down. If you truly want to be satisfied, you have to know the gift of eternal life in Jesus. Mm. You have to Mm -hmm. know it. To know means to like intimately have a relationship with. Now, here's the cool thing. Jesus says, once you know that person, which is me, you would have said, you could, you can say, give me a drink. So he's saying, if you knew the gift of God, which was me, you would be asking me for a drink. That's what John 4.10 is telling us. So to know him is to ask him. To, to, if you were in the middle of a desert and you had no water and you saw someone walking with a giant glass of water towards him and you said, oh my, that's Alex. I know him from the internet, but I know him to know me. And to see me with a glass of water is to ask me. It's not even going to cross your mind if you're parched in the desert and you see me or Lokalani. You're going to ask us for water. Of course, if we're holding an ice cold glass of water. To know Jesus is to ask him. That's what she's trying to get get her to. That's what he is trying to get her to understand. Do you feel like you know Jesus even a little bit? Do you feel like you know him in a sliver? If you do, you can ask him. You don't have to know Jesus like the back of your hand. You don't have to know scripture like a theologian, like a doctor. You just have to know him a little bit to ask him. This song puts it perfectly. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you, my one defense, my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. What he's saying is that what I know I need, I need. And I only know just about a sliver of what I know I need. And that need is for more of him. Mm-hmm. And so I don't care how many verses you know. Should you memorize scripture? Yes. Memorizing it is getting it in your head. It changes your thoughts. It changes your thought processes. It changes your day, your life. Get it in your head. But if you only know John 3.16, if that's all you know, if you don't even know that, if you know God loves you, you can go to him and say, God, I need you. In that moment, whether you're in the car, whether you're on the couch, whether you're, I don't know where you're at in life, get in the habit of looking for satisfaction in God. Because Mm -hmm. the thing is, as long as you're on this earth, you're going to feel a lot of moments of being unsatisfied with this Mm -hmm. life. You're going to feel it a lot. In heaven, you'll never experience that ever again. In heaven, it's this 
constant feeling of being filled. It's the pushing away from the table saying, God, I've had enough of your goodness. I'm just so full of how good you are. And then you wait a second. I'm coming in for seconds. I'm coming in for thirds because he's so good. I just want to keep coming back to him. It's this constant cycle, heaven, of being filled to the brim with his goodness and his righteousness and his satisfaction and then going to get filled again and then going to get filled again and never, ever being turned away unsatisfied. That's what heaven is. This giant, miraculous feast on the goodness of God over and over and over again, constantly being filled and filled and filled and filled. That's what we have to look forward to. That can be experienced now on this side of heaven. When we go to God and we say, God, um, my life, I don't know. I'm having a bad day and I just need you. I need you because I'm feeling this way. I need you because I'm frightened. I need you because I'm just confused. I need you because part of me feels like I need something, but I don't know what that need is. Just going back to him over and over again. He's saying, if you know me, you'll ask me. Mm-hmm. This is why James says that you have not because you ask not. God knows what it is that you need. If you knew that God knew your needs, you need not worry whether or not you should ask him. If you know he has your best interest in mind, that God is for you, and that, believe it or not, you are not for you. You know what's funny? In the dilemma of sin, all of us are so incredibly, completely selfish, yet none of us are for ourselves. <laughs> That's insane. Do you understand that? We will put ourselves above, above and before anyone else in our entire life. But at the same time, secretly, we're sabotaging ourselves, and we truly, deeply want to see ourselves lose. What kind of sick and twisted? This is why Peter, this is why Paul says, oh, what a wretched man I am. The things I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. And the things I do, I don't want to do. What a wretched situation that we're in. And so knowing that Jesus is the one we should be asking for water, for sustenance. He is the one that is more for me than I am. He is the one Mm -hmm. that loves me. That even in, this is what Paul says. If God did not spare his own son, how Will he not give us much more? Mm. He says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Paul says, there's lots of people who would die for a good guy, mm-hmm. but for a sinner, mm-hmm. for a wicked man, if all this is true, then who can be against us? The reason why they call Romans the great eight is because what, what Paul is saying is he's repeating things that the Spirit of God has revealed to him. That's what it's all about. He's asking these questions because the Spirit of God has revealed to him. Paul, think about it with me as you write to the Roman Christians. If God is for you, who could possibly be against you? For Paul says, for I'm convinced, I've been persuaded 
And I will bet my bottom dollar. And I believe in that there is nothing on earth in hell. There's no angels, no demons, nothing in life, nothing in death that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. Absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. Because God did not spare his own son. If God didn't spare his own son for you, how much does God love you? How much? So the question today is where else have you been longing for the wrong? God raised Jesus from the dead to prove that he was innocent. He was the perfect sacrifice and the work was finished. And as he, and as Jesus sits on the right hand of the father with all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him. Every single thing, all authority has been given to Jesus. As he sits there looking down at us, as he's with us right now, listening to this, speaking this, the question that I believe we should take away from this is, where have I been longing for the wrong? Where, What places have, have I been going to for satisfaction? That is so good. And... I'll start. Man, that's a great question. I think, I don't know. I don't know exactly where I've been going Mm -hmm. for, but I think that like there's just this desire or this temptation or feeling like what we're doing is not enough. Mm. You know, like the, this, like if we do more, if we, do x y and z better if we do x what this this and that more like we'll be more satisfied and god will be more pleased with us mm-hmm. and i just think of like just with the analogy of hunger and thirsting and being filled and like being satisfied and when mm-hmm. you think of that in terms of actually eating like you're only supposed to eat to the point of satisfaction mm-hmm. like you're not supposed to overeat right Mm -hmm. and like when you're truly satisfied then it leads to rest Mm -hmm. and that's the same with hunger i mean with eating you know like if you eat to the point of satisfaction you can rest and then also have enough energy to continue your day but if you eat too much and you are gorging on too much stuff it's not restful. Yeah, we're super sleepy. We might fall asleep, but we're uncomfortable. We're in pain, groggy, irritable, maybe because we're we have too we've consumed too much. And yeah. I think that um, it's easy to go to yeah, like the opinions of others. Mm-hmm. Um, just there's so many little weight and subtle ways that the enemy wants us to go to and our own flesh want to go to for satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And, um, man, yeah, I just think it's crazy. I love what you were saying about building the habit to ask him to satisfy us and then waiting, you know, waiting for Mm -hmm. him to answer that in whatever way it is. Yeah. Yep. And what's cool is when you do ask him to be satisfied, then he gives you a hunger 
and a thirst to serve him more, a hunger and thirst for more of him. Mm-hmm. It's a cyclical thing, you know. Your hunger, your hunger, and your thirst for righteousness leads you to asking him to satisfy you, and then that satisfaction that you found in him leads you to more hungry hunger and more thirst for him. Um, so it's mm-hmm. it's a really blessed way to live. Mm-hmm. You see. Like we said before, what do you give a person that's been gorged? Mm-hmm. What do you feed a person that's been filled? Mm-hmm. Nothing. They have all they need. And and we truly do have that in him. So, but I, I totally agree about going, feeling like you need to do more. Mm-hmm. You know, as a YouTuber, you always feel like you need to do more. Mm-hmm. I gotta, I gotta, I need to go live. Mm-hmm. I need to go, I need to make this kind of video. I need to do this video here and you guys, I know you guys love it, but a lot of you guys, at, at times, I can feel you say, okay, Alex, you need to slow down. We're good. You know, you you give us a lot of content. And so, but the, the competition of the world is do more, do more, do more, do more. Mm-hmm. And so learning to slow down is really hard, but it's when I'm, when I, when I don't want to slow down, it's because I'm looking for satisfaction. Yes. So... That was Mm -hmm. good. Good response. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We can't do this without you. Amenpodcast.com if you want to keep these episodes going and ad-free. We happen to be standing right in front of uh, some of the gifts that you guys bought off of Luke's baby registry. Thank you so much. Yeah, we appreciate you guys so much. It's We're blown away, and it's been such an incredible blessing. Um, It's still up. There's a few more things on there if you guys want to support us in that way as well. Um, But we are just so grateful to you guys for how you've supported our family. Until next time, we love you. See you in the next one. And go out and be the church.